Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's word and apply his message to your everyday life. Visit seekingtruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 30 through 33. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our discussion tonight of Genesis chapter 30, part B. I'm going to cover that 31, 32, and 33 because I don't want you to miss anything. I titled this tonight, Scheming and Schemers. God catches the wise in their craftiness, and the schemes of the wily are swept away. And King David prayed against schemers when he said, Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from the dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the scheming of evildoers who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, Who can see us? Who can search our crimes? We have thought out a cunningly conceived plot for the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. Some of you have asked, how can these horrible scheming people be in the Bible? I mean, it is really bothering some people that the Bible is full of these characters that seem so ungodly. Scheming. There's a lot of scheming that's been going on. How can God use such sinful, sinful people? Well, that's all God has to work with. <laughs> Right? Especially since the fall of mankind. Before Messiah came, all humans were banished, children of Eve. Fallen humanity was all God had to work with in the Old Testament. But then Christ came and redeemed humanity. And by Christ, redeemed by Christ, there is absolutely no more scheming, right? Wrong. Are you a schemer? I mean, has anyone in here ever confessed scheming in the confessional? Really? What is scheming? Some animals have a very scheming reputation. I would say, who's afraid of the big bad wolf? Because the big bad wolf is often seen as a schemer. As in Aesop's fable, the wily red fox, so clever, he can always outsmart you. But the worst case, the absolute worst case of animal scheming, you know what it is, the squirrel. <laughs> Absolutely, the squirrel is the most scheming creature God created. They can absolutely circumvent any trap. They can get around anything mankind tries to do to keep them off the bird food. And scheming squirrels can circumvent any human design. They almost always reach their goals. They're schemers. Jacob has met his match in the scheming department with Uncle Laban. Humans are gifted with intelligence, with memory, and with will. And because of those gifts, we are very able to scheme, which means we can plot and we can plan and we can scheme in order to orchestrate our own way. Perhaps going around all the conventional methods and finding numerous new ways to scheme. Like the Ponzi scheme. This was, uh, you've heard of a Ponzi scheme, a fraudulent investment operation where earlier investors are paid funds by the subsequent investors. It's named after Charles Ponzi, who lured thousands in the 1920s, promising a 50% return in 90 days. Profits made off of international reply coupons. The coupons were slightly less in value in foreign countries, and they could be redeemed 
for real stamps of higher value in their own home country, the Ponzi scheme was born. But schemer Bertie Madoff made schemer Charles Ponzi look like a total amateur schemer. He was an investment giant turned fraudster. Now he's 81, serving a 150-year life sentence for ripping off thousands in the biggest case of investment fraud in U.S. history. Convicted in 2008 and 9, it was a Ponzi scheme. Too good to be true. His wife, Ruth, attempted suicide when she found out about it, taking a pill overdose. His son, Mark, committed suicide on the second anniversary of his father's arrest. His other son, died at age 48 with a lung cancer battle. Madoff in July of this year asked uh, to have his sentence commuted by President Donald Trump. Schemers come in all shapes and sizes. They can be little, they can be female too. You remember Olympic figure skater Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. Harding's ex-husband Jeff Galuli and her uh, her bodyguard, Sean Eckert, hit, hired a hitman to break Kerrigan's leg so she could not participate in the 1994 Olympics. And uh, that happened after she was finished practicing at the U.S. Figure Championships, <laughs> Skating Championships. She walked off the ice at Kobo Arena in Detroit when she was smashed in the knee by the hitman. And you just remember the pictures screaming, why me? These schemers had cooked up quite a scheme and the courts would have to decide if Tanya Harding was in on the scheme or not. Nancy came back to win the silver medal in the 94 Olympics. Tanya was very happy for her. And later Harding pleaded guilty to hindering the investigation, banned from competing in the U.S. for life. So scheming comes in all shapes and sizes. One of the newer schemes, Operation Varsity Blue, you've heard about in the news, the largest college admission scheme in U.S. histories where moms and dads uh, are trying to scheme to get their kids into top universities. This couple has been charged with multiple felonies, ag allegedly agreeing to pay bribes totaling $500,000 to get their daughters in USC as fake crew team recruits. Now, the girls are quite athletic. They're bloggers and shoppers in Hollywood, but Olivia and Isabel are not crew rowers. So that one's going to court numerous other parents cutting fat checks to get their children falsely uh, into athletic programs or raised ACT and SAT score requirements. This couple is maintaining their innocence. They have pleaded not guilty to the charges and federal court will soon decide if they were scheming or not. So we wait for that final trial. Scheming has been around for a long time. Uh, scheming and schemers have been around since immediately after the fall of humankind. Our parents schemed how they might be their own gods, and we all inherited that same fallen human nature, and that's all God had to work with now, the fallen human nature. But Paul says this, we know that in everything God works good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You are created to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He predestined you not to be a sinful schemer, but to be conformed to the perfect image of his son, Jesus Christ. How are you doing at that? No comment? <laughs>
It can be done by the power of the Holy Spirit alive in you. But what if our own sinful free will overpowers his Holy Spirit alive in us? God knew that that would happen too. And that's why he gifted us with his son, Jesus Christ, who was the true light from true light who entered the world through love of the Trinity and is fracted into seven beautiful sacraments, a beautiful new covenant rainbow of the seven beautiful healing sacraments of the church. One of the best being confession, where you can begin again. If you fall, if you mess up, you can start over. Now, fallen Jacob is a schemer. He has schemed away his birthright, and he has schemed away the blessing. Jesus is going to enter into this mess of humanity. Why? He's going to enter the mess, the chaos of humanity, because he's going to join it and he's going to redeem it. In order to redeem it, he has to enter it. He has to reveal the Father to us and the Holy Spirit to us. He has to become human, take on human flesh, and he has to do that through a particular race of people. He has to enter some way through some people. All humanity have the same father, and that's God. But if he's going to enter humanity, he has to come through one race. So... Should he become a Chinese boy or should he become a Japanese boy or should he become an Indian boy from India or should he become a Jewish boy? He, God decides a Jewish boy. And so God revealed himself to the Jewish nation. They were his firstborn son and he readies the way for Jesus entry into humanity. He will eventually come through that Jewish line specifically through Leah and Jacob's fourth son, Judah. Remember Judah's name? Now I will praise and thank the Lord, the fourth son of Leah. So 20 years have passed for Jacob in a faraway land, far from home. And when Rachel bore Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own country, my own home. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know the service which I have given you. But Laban said to him, if you, if, if you will allow me to say so, I have learned Jacob by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages. I'll give it to you. Laban does not want Jacob to leave because Laban has gotten very rich off Jacob. Jacob is so blessed by God, almost everything he touches prospers. Laban is found out by divination. Divination is something very real. It's the practice of seeking knowledge of the future by unknown supernatural means. It is condemned in the Catechism of the Catholic Church at number 2116. All forms of divination are to be rejected. Recourse to Satan or demons conjuring up the dead or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future, consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens or lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance, recourse to mediums, very popular today in TV shows and in Omaha. All conceal a desire for power over time, history, and in the last analysis, other human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. So does divination yet work? Yes. The spirit world's very alive. Is it condemned by the church? Yes. Don't dabble in it. They contradict the honor, the respect, and the loving fear that we owe to God alone. So Jacob said to Laban, you know how I have worked for you. And, and how the livestock have fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly. And the Lord has blessed whatever I have touched. But now, when may I do something for my own household? 
what shall I give you? Laban asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages. And my honesty will testify for me in the future whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. Well, this sounds pretty good to Laban. He can just look and see who belongs to who. And also there aren't very many speckled or spotted in his flock. Okay. Okay. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day, Laban removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted, all the speckled, the spotted female goats, all that had any white on them and all the dark colored lambs. Laban placed them in the care of his sons. So Laban is starting from scratch. He's going to totally anything with any white on he's taking and they'll start from zero. Laban put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. So they have plenty of room. They're not going to get mixed up three days between them. And Jacob took fresh cut branches from the poplar, almond, and plane trees. And he made white stripes by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Now, several recent studies have shown that poplar and almond tree bark, leaves, twigs, uh, they're called sticks. These are beneficial in the diet of a sheep, especially the ewes that, that are female, that have reproduction um, properties. Also, many of the chemical compounds are beneficial in these sticks by peeling and, and soaking them in water and releasing uh, the chemicals into the water for the sheep to drink and they become more fertile. Feeding of willow leaves, trimmings of ewes during mating results in nutritional value, reduction of live weight loss, and increased reproductive weights. Poplar supplementation has been shown to increase ewe reproduction rates by 20 to 30 percent due to increases in both conception rate and fecundity and higher proportion of pregnant ewes and higher proportion of multiple pregnancies in sup than the supplemented groups. So the lambs, percentage of lambs went up 34 percent respectively. The poplar sticks have been shown to make the animals healthier, stronger. So Jacob was a very good shepherd. He didn't read any studies about this. He knew instinctively that these release these chemicals. Jacob placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches. They, and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Was this from good nutrition? Was this a conditioned response, perhaps? Because later in history, the, in the 1890s, uh, Russian Ivan Pavlov conditioned dogs to do uh, certain behaviors. Was this a conditioned response? Was it a scientific genetic response? Did he under, have an understanding of genetic genes, recessive and dominant genes? This was uh, Father Gregory Mendel, who was the father of modern genetics. He was an Austrian priest. He took pea plants and isolated seven traits. And you remember in high school doing those pundit squares. Maybe Maybe Jacob understood scientific genetics. But whatever the case was, Jacob made a designer sheep. And they, to this day, are called Jacob's sheep. 
Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves. He made the rest face the streaked and dark colors, animals that belonged to Laban. Then he separated the flocks for himself, and he did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban, and the strong ones went to Jacob. In this way... The man Jacob grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and men servants and camels and donkeys. And he, to this day, there are registered Jacob sheep and they look like this. I think they're beautiful. And I, I, I knew you would say, oh, so I'm showing them. Okay, so they are Jacob sheep. Jacob grew very prosperous using Laban's starter flock. And that really got Laban's goat. <laughs> And you know what it means to get someone's goat? To make someone annoyed or angry. I really got Steve's goat this week. I'm just using it in a sentence so you understand. But the expression, I want to tell you that, that the Hebrew writers use a lot of idioms, a lot of hyperboles. They're very witty writers. Get your goat. The expression for us comes from a tradition in horse racing where the thoroughbred racehorses are, can be very high strung. And so owners discovered that if they placed a goat in the horse's stall the night before a big race, it would really help soothe the animal. It's kind of a companion animal for a thoroughbred high-strung racehorse that would calm it down the night before the race. But unscrupulous scheming opponents would then go steal the goat in a scheme to upset the horse and cause it to lose the race. And they'd say, I got your goat. So that's where that expression started. So there are a lot of expressions in the Bible that we read over and we don't catch the meaning. But this is, I'm just using this as an example to show you Jacob really got Laban's goat. A lot of scheming had gone on between these two over the 20 years. And Jacob now heard that the sons of Laban were saying things about him. They said, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. Which deadly sin are the brothers guilty of? You got it right in the middle, green with envy. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as he had before. And the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Now, I want you to notice, we just read over that really quickly, but the Lord's talking to Jacob. The Lord's talking to Jacob now. All the time they're visiting back and forth. The Lord said, no big deal, they're talking. Because Jacob had developed a prayer life over 20 years. He has grown closer to the Lord. It's developed in his life. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. And he said to the ladies, I see that your father does not regard me with the favor that he had before. But the God of my father, Isaac, has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If Laban said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flocks were spotted. And if Laban said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flocks were striped. Thus God has taken away the cattle, the livestock of your father, and given them to me. In the mating season, said Jacob, of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream that the he goats which leaped upon, upon the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that leapt upon the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. 
for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. So it's not nutrition, it's not genetic science, it's the Lord. The Lord has showed him in a dream who will sire, who will be, who will mate, the speckled, the spotted, the streaked. Now remember Jacob's blessing. The father's blessing was irrevocable and Jacob in a deceptive way got that blessing. But the blessing said, may you be fruitful. May you increase in numbers. May God give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham that you would take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner. God gave the land to Abraham. I'm the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar. You made a vow to me. Now arise, go forth from this land and return to the land of your birth. You remember Bethel from last week where Jacob slept on the stone and had the most incredible incredible dream where the heavens opened and he saw a ladder come down like a staircase and angels of God were ascending and descending upon. And Jacob said, surely this place, that God is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And I did not know how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and the gateway to heaven. He wants to go back there. That was a long time ago. Jacob had made an altar. He had anointed the pillar. He wants to go back home. And Rachel and Leah said to him, is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded as foreigners for he has sold us? He has used up all the money that was given for us. All the property which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, Jacob, whatever God has said to you to do, do. The, the women are ready to leave and go with Jacob. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his cattle, all the livestock which he had gained, the cattle in his possession which he had acquired in Padan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac, who is still living, by the way. Laban had gone to shear his sheep. So Laban's not there. It'll take him three days to shear the sheep. This is very strategic. Jacob, again, is outwitting Laban by leaving when he's not there, getting a head start. He knows Laban is not going to be happy. This is very, very sneaky and scheming again. The daughters of Laban were feeling cheated out of their inheritances. They had each gotten a maid. That's it. One got Bilhah, one got Zilpah. When they got married, that was their dowry. That's all they got. After all the mass Jacob had amassed for their father, this is all they're getting. It was their husband who greatly increased the flocks, their husband had made Laban a very rich man. So they rationalize and they justify. And Rachel goes into her father's house when he's not home and she steals all of his household gods. Now, there's a lot of scheming going on in this family. Rebecca schemed Laban scheme. Now the daughter Rachel is scheming. It runs in the family. Rachel is rationalizing that something so precious to her father Laban should rightfully belong to her. The boys got everything. The girls got nothing. My husband has made all this increase in my father's wealth. I'm taking something precious to him. I'm taking his household gods. After all, what if Jacob's God doesn't work anymore? We got a long trip, 550 miles we gotta go. What if his job, his God isn't with us anymore? I better take my, my father's gods. We may need these one day after all, and they have sentimental value too. So traders would come through, they'd have these dolls, uh, these, these uh, metal or wood or stone household idols, the God of rain, the God of fertility, the God of, they would exchange them. Uh, every home had a collection. This is in Armenia. Uh, they're called teraphim. And they were used in connection with divination. So Rachel sold the gods, Jacob, uh, doesn't know this yet. Jacob outwitted Laban the Armenian. He did not tell him. 
that he had intended to flee, and he has outwitted him. He's outsmarted him, outfoxed him, circumvented, got around it again, outmaneuvered, tricked, duped. He fled with all that he had and across the Euphrates River Valley towards the hill country of Gilead. This would be a 550-mile trip in totality from Haran down to the Holy Land. And it was told to Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled and he took his kinsmen with him and he pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God, and this is Jacob's God, God, capital G, came to Laban the Armenian in a dream by night and said to him, take heed that you say not a word to Jacob, either good or bad. So they've started out at that top arrow in Armenia and they've come across the Euphrates River Valley and they're heading down here to the Holy Land. Laban overtook Jacob. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country with Laban and his kinsmen encamped in the hill country of Gilead. Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have cheated me? You've carried away my daughters like captives of a sword. Why did you flee? Why did you cheat me? You did not tell me so that I might have sent away my girls with mirth and songs and tambourines and lyre. Why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? You have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God, capital G, of your father spoke to me last night. And he said, take heed that you say nothing to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now because you have gone away, because you longed greatly for your father's house, but why did you steal my gods? And Jacob answered Laban, because I was afraid, I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live. Uh-oh, that's a rash vow. That's a rather rash vow because Rachel has taken them, but he doesn't know that. And Rachel's the one he loves. And if those gods are found with Rachel, she will be killed because Jacob has ordered that anyone where you find your gods taken from shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban went and searched Jacob's tent. He went in and searched Leah's tent. He went into the tent of the two maidservants and Laban did not find the household gods. And Laban went out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and she had put them in the camel's saddle and she sat down upon them. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. Again, think of her background, her scheming. Laban felt all around Rachel's tent, but he did not find them. And she said to her father, oh, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you for the way of woman is upon me. Now, do you know what that means? The women seem to know. The way of woman is upon me. This is the new emoji for that. Did you know that? I looked it up. This is the new emoji for that. You can just text your husband that emoji and it's, it's, it's a way you can say, this is my excuse. Rachel pulls the, the way of woman is upon me card. Now, Rachel would have been killed had she been found out. Is the way of woman upon her? Well, you'll see next week when she has a baby. So she's obviously not menstruating for nine months, right? We don't quite know the time frame. We'll see next week. Laban searched, but did not find the household gods. They were there all along between his daughter and the camel's saddle. That was a very close call for Rachel. We'll see what happens next week to Rachel. That was part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 30 through 33, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, 
visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.